This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the uh, 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 podcast uh, today. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Joining us from the Twin Cities via the telephone, as he does on these Tuesdays, the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alan Horton. And that's a pretty good week just put in of work by the Timberwolves, Alan. Three straight wins since we last chatted. Denver and Boston among those, and a Utah team that always plays hard and scrappy. Boy, that's about as good a week as you could ask for. Yeah, it was really pretty impressive uh, to, to hand Denver their first loss, to hand Boston their first loss. And uh, I think the Celtic game last night was... Um, you know, Denver's a defending champ, so I mean, I guess you'd have to kind of rank them higher, but I put Boston ahead of that. I mean, that's a Boston team that five times in the last seven years has been at the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a team that's got bona fide superstars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Chris Porzingis, Al Horford. I mean, that's their starting five right there, which is pretty darn impressive. Yep. And it's, um, you know, I just thought that win was really special last night. That's that's a team they don't normally play well against. They don't beat. They had lost 12 out of 13. The only win came during uh, a couple of years ago at Target Center when both teams were ravaged by COVID. Mm. Um, and that was the Greg Monroe, Nathan Knight, Jalen Noel game that they beat. That's, that's the only time they've beaten the Celtics in, like, what, the last six, seven years. So um, it, it, it was really an impressive win because, Todd, you've seen enough of these games mm-hmm. that – um, that's not normally a game the Timberwolves win, right? They mm-hmm. find a way to lose that game. Instead, you've got Anthony Edwards playing out of his mind. He was unstoppable down the stretch, and you find a way to win. It just feels this feels like a different team, and, and I think I think that has kind of shown through in these two wins against Denver and Boston. So many times in the past for the Timberwolves, it didn't feel like there was a foundation of defense that if they won, they had to shoot well. If they didn't, uh, you know, they probably weren't going to win. But this year's team is, uh, what, I think they're number one in the NBA in defensive ratings so far, aren't they? They are, and they've been there for a week now, and they've really strung together some really good defensive performances. I mean, three straight opponents holding them under 40% shooting, mm-hmm. and that's just not any three opponents. Um, Utah had a top 15 ranked offense. Denver was a top five offense, and Boston was number one in offense coming into that game. So that's putting up some really good defensive numbers, um, and not only from field goal percentage standpoint, but you know the three-point line is, is crucial in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. And the Wolves have held those three opponents to each under 30%. That Those are incredible numbers to go under 40 field goal percentage and under 30% three-point percentage. I think it speaks volumes of, of where this defense is at. Yeah, and, and, and Jaden McDaniels, you know, I was concerned when he had that calf issue going on because you sometimes don't know how a calf is going to react uh, to getting back out there, as we saw with Cat uh, last year. But, boy, once he yeah. came in the lineup, the defense goes to a whole other level. He can guard pretty much anybody on the floor. Yes, he can. And um, I think he's kind of gotten his legs underneath him now because he did miss so much. Of He played the first preseason game. That's when he originally tweaked the calf. And mm-hmm. I think they were just overly cautious. I mean, he was out almost a month uh, missing the first two games of the regular season. But um, And then he battled through some foul difficulty in his first couple of games. But I think he's found his footing a little bit. Um, and, and when you have him to throw at a Jason Tatum, at a Jalen Brown, along with Anthony Edwards, along with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, along with Rudy, looking like a completely different player than he was a year ago, mm-hmm. um, anchoring things. And 
And I, I think the continuity from last year, I mean, nine of your top ten guys are back from the end of last season. Um, you, you mix in Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr., and, and those guys are veterans. They know how to play the game. They've picked up the system. And really everybody's just that much more comfortable playing with each other, knowing their tendencies, knowing Chris Finch's system. And I think it's all just paid off. It's just mm-hmm. been really solid defensively. And Chris Finch has mentioned this to me a couple of different times. He, he really likes the way the game is being officiated this year mm. in terms of not rewarding offensive players for just, you know, bowling their way into contact and not even looking at the rim or making an attempt to score the ball, just trying to hunt fouls. And the NBA is not rewarding that as much this year mm. as in years past. And I think that's allowed the Wolves to be, you know, they are a very aggressive defensive team. They're, they're very handsy. Last year, you know, they were bottom five in the league in committing fouls. This year, they're in the top five committing the fewest fouls, wow. and that, that goes hand-in-hand hand with free-throw attempts. Last year, bottom five and giving them up. This year, top five in limiting free-throw attempts. And so the Wolves, I think, have, have benefited, even though they've had plenty of foul difficulty. Jaden McDaniels, I mentioned, had 11 fouls in the span of about 41 minutes over two games. And then, of course, Cat getting into foul difficulty last night. So it doesn't mean they don't have their fouling issues, but overall, uh, they've been able to be aggressive, not pick up those fouls, not send the opponents to the free throw line, and I think that's paid off in a big way. You mentioned free throws, so that brings to mind Rudy Gobert's struggles a bit last night. We did see them use the hack of Gobert uh, one time down the floor. I was glad they didn't do it again because he was kind of struggling at that last night. Yeah, the only, you know, you you can't do it in the final two minutes because Ah, then um, it's an automatic, it's an away from the play foul, and then it'll be one free throw and possession, so teams are discouraged from doing that. But they got him. Rudy was out of the game for a couple of minutes. And Chris Finch, I think, tried to sneak him back in a little bit early, but the Celtics were onto it, and they fouled him with two minutes and 13 seconds to go in regulation. And he missed the two free throws. Rudy was 2 of 11 at the free throw line. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, it's, it's, never been, it's, it's, it's never been an adventure for Rudy at the free throw line. He's better than that. He's not in an Andre Drummond or Ben Wallace type of 50-50 situation when it gets to the free throw line. But, um, you know, in clutch time last year, he was under 60%. And uh, this year, he was doing fairly well. uh, But he's probably going to, you know, after two for 11, that's going to drop your percentage way down. uh, It was definitely a struggle for him last night. But you know what? It didn't didn't affect his game. Like, he didn't let that bleed into his defense. Um, He registers a couple of blocks. He gets you 10-plus rebounds. I think he was perfect from the field. I think he went six for six in the game. So um, he, he, that that's the positive thing. Can you handle adversity with, with, with any player? If you have a tough night turning the ball over, free throw shooting, I don't care what it is, can you stay in the game and be productive in, in other ways? Jaden McDaniel's a good example of that last night. Yeah. He started the game one for nine. He went eight for his final nine and had ten fourth-quarter points and, a, and sealed the deal in, in overtime with a, with a pretty clutch bucket. So it's um, you, you have to find ways to stay in the game, even when – particular areas um, of your game that night are, are not going your way. A great duel between Jason Tatum and Edwards in in last night's game. They were exchanging some words toward the end uh, as well, and Ant winds up getting the better of it. He seems to me like a guy where it's kind of a, you know, don't poke the bear situation. I think if guys are talking trash to Edwards, he loves that, and it elevates him a little. Yeah, those are two high-level competitors, too. They were jawing at each other most of the night, of mm-hmm. course, it. It only gets amped up when you go down the stretch. And um, crucial part in overtime, the Wolves are, um, let's see, they're, they're up by one. I think, yeah, they're up by one, and there's a crucial jump ball. Ant's guarding mm-hmm. Tatum. Yep. He knocks it free. Tatum dives to the floor, 
uh, Ant just jumps on him and, and ties him up, which is what you're supposed to do. Tatum took a little bit of an exception, uh, but those guys both understand it. I think that's just a heat-of-the-moment play. But then a crucial ensuing jump ball that Ant wins and somehow recovers his own jump ball. Like, it got batted around a few times, and the guy who jumps for it ends up scooting out to the wing and, and picking it up right in front of the Wolves' bench, and that led to the Conley three. Um, I think my scoring is right there, but and you know he accounted for all eleven points in the eleven-two run in the fourth quarter. He had he had he had eight points scoring and he had the one assist on the Conley three. So he accounted for it all plus that winning that jump ball, which I thought was crucial. And I think you know Ant has we've seen him rise to the occasion time and time again, but this was a this was a big moment. This yeah. was um, this was going against one of the premier players in the league, and and he outperformed Jason Tatum. Uh, he had never beaten Tatum in the Celtics. He was 0 for 6. Tatum never lost to the to the Timberwolves. He had been 10 and 0. Um, and for what that's worth, it's just it's just another sign that Anthony Edwards is is on the right track. 15 out of 25 from the floor. At the same time, a little hero ball at the end of regulation last night. I mean, they're not in the position to beat them without Edwards' play, of course. But even Chris yeah. Finch said, "Yeah, we'd like to get a little better at decision making at the end of games." Yeah, sometimes the Wolves get caught up in, in, in going too much hero ball, going one-on-one, uh, almost doing, you know, the Celtics are a high-isolation team, so they're in the top five in ISO frequency. And so sometimes when you see Brown and Tatum do their thing, well, it's only natural that you want to go back and Towns try to do his thing, Ant try to do his thing. You've just got to move the basketball, trust your offense, pass, pass, drive, pass, pass, drive. That's what the Wolves work on every day at practice. Um, and, and, you know, even after getting that drilled into you, it still ends up being a one-pass possession or sometimes a no-pass possession uh, for Anthony Edwards. But when he's knocking down shots at like a 60% clip, which he is the last four games, it's, um, you know, it's hard to, hard to find fault. It's, uh, yeah. it, it, I thought it was a big, big game for Ant, though. That's a, that's a big win. I, I, like I said, I can't stress enough how much of a heavyweight matchup that is and how good that team is. And for the Wolves to overcome, Todd, they had 24 turnovers. Yeah. They shot poorly at the free throw line. They had foul difficulty. Uh, I think there was one other category when they kind of struggled. And I guess that was with the three big things. Mm-hmm. But to overcome 24 turnovers and shoot 52% at the free throw line um, and, and have your second-best player be in foul difficulty, only play 27 minutes and foul out with seven points, um, that's overcoming a lot. And, and Ant kind of had to carry the load because there wasn't – a lot of ball movement offensively, and and he was kind of forced to it. And Jaden, who was second in the league in sco- uh, second in the game in scoring for the Wolves, he got most of his offense through Ant, who not only led them in scoring but also led them in assists with seven. He is picking up those numbers, rebounding, assisting. He's doing a lot of different things on the floor right now. We're talking about Ant. Yes. Yeah, his. I mean, he started off start, you know fourteen rebounds in the opening game against uh, Toronto. Yep. Assists. He's led the team a couple of different times. Um, He's got the talent, Todd, to be a, a twenty-five to thirty-point scorer, and to average, you know, more than the five rebounds and five. I think last year was at five rebounds and four assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should be up averaging six, seven, eight rebounds a game. Uh, that's what Drew Holiday does. That's what Jalen Brown does. That's what Jason Tatum does. Um, he should be up there as well, and he should be averaging five, six assists, especially in Chris Finch's system, where you know it's not it's not just a just the point guard accumulating the assists. Those assists can come from anywhere, whether it's Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards. Um, he, he should be averaging six, seven assists per game. That's uh, Those would be healthy numbers for him. Yeah. Higher usage rate sometimes leads to more turnovers. That's a number that's up a little bit for him as well this year. Well, it is. And uh, I think he only had a couple last night. So that mm-hmm. the prior three games, though, he had 15 turnovers. 
um, oftentimes when you get it's it's kind of like you know when you look at the top level scores in the NBA, it's um, they often come with with high turnovers because they're trying to make things happen not only for themselves but for their teammates. And so you know when over the years when Russell Westbrook would dominate in OKC or James Harden would do it, Damian Lillard does it. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys off the top of my head that. You know, they average four to five turnovers a game. Trey Young is one of those guys. Luca will turn it over. It's just when you've got the ball that much, um, you, you, yeah, you do increase the risk for getting it knocked away. Uh, and, and by the way, there are good defenders around, too, who are just looking to pick your pocket. So um, you factor that in with a couple little mistakes here and there. Sometimes, uh, you know, you can have four turnovers. Maybe only two of them are on you, though. You know, maybe the defense made good plays. And when you have the ball more, there's a higher chance that that's going to happen. Cat is off to a slow start with his shooting. Uh, he has such a long track record of being an outstanding shooting big man, whether it's around the basket, uh, you know, three-point range, yeah. what have you. It's got to come around at some point, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. It's just that you're right. The history tells us that um, he, he's not this kind of shooter. Uh, he's gone through slumps before. Um, he's, just, he's just not clicking offensively right now. But the good news with Carl is that I think he's been really engaged defensively. I, th- I think his defense over the first uh, six games of the season have been been really good and, and better maybe than any point in his career. Um, his defensive rating is really good. He had that four-block game. Um, he's been active. He's held his own at the, at the rim. And that's what you need. You need everybody pulling on the string together. And that's why the Wolves' defense is so good, is that they've got so many guys playing so well together all the time. And, and Kat's been a big part of that. Tell us about the in-season tournament. Why, first of all, why do you think the NBA decided to to try this this year? Well, uh, Adam Silver's been a big fan of uh, he, he's, the, you know leagues are always looking for more ways to first off generate revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a avenue to sell this in-season tournament as a whole separate um, TV entity, and that possibly could be part of the next TV package. Okay. And so that's first and foremost. Um, second, you're always looking to stay ahead of you know people getting complacent about your sport and having maybe something else to kind of look for or something different to keep you interested, keep the eyeballs and the ears listening to games um, throughout the course of the season. And one thing that they've looked at is international soccer. With you know, look, at, look at the Premier League in England. Look at any of the clubs, uh, the league level in, in countries in Europe, and they have multiple championships that they're playing for. It's not just a league title. Um, in the Premier League, you've got the... You've got the FA Cup that you're going for. You've got the League Cup that you're going for. And then, of course, there's a Champions League, which incorporates um, clubs, the top clubs from all the different leagues around Europe. So you've got multiple trophies, and I think they want to create something where they can generate some excitement and have a title within the course of a season that maybe won't mean as much as an NBA title, but maybe someday it'll be something that people are fighting for. So um, they've done a really good job of incorporating group play within regular season games, so there's going to be no difference. The one difference will be the courts that you see. I, I had a little trouble adjusting. The Wolves were off on the first night of, of group play um, on Friday, and so they'll have their first game. They'll have their first uh, play-in, uh, not playing game, I keep saying that, in, in-season in tournament on Friday at San Antonio. You'll notice the floor there will be very, very different. Yeah. Um, and the Wolves will have a special court, too. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that, uh, too. It's like there's they've got the... The uh, the trophy in the middle, I have a name for it too. The trophy that they're playing for. Plus, I don't think NBA players would mind going to Vegas for the championships during the season. And it doesn't seem like they complain about going to Las Vegas very often. 
No, I think well, it's all course of the regular season, too. So you're not mm-hmm. adding any games to their schedule. I, and, and, if, and if teams care about the regular season, which I know they do, they're going to care about these games. And yeah. so it doesn't add any importance to the game. Um, Chris Finch has already said he's going to attack these games a, as they would a regular season matchup, and they want to win. And if you're winning regular season games and in-season tournament games, well, that they count the same, and they're going to end you up in a good spot, you know? You're going to have a good record, and that's what that's what every team is striving for, right? Trying to reach that postseason. Yeah, yeah. So you get um, the Wolves have Oklahoma City, they've got Golden State, they've got San Antonio in their group, uh, and I might be missing someone too. I thought that were I thought you played four group tournament games. Uh, and oh, yeah, Kings, Warriors, Oklahoma City, Kings Spurs. Is the other one. Yep. Yeah, Sacramento, yep. Golden State, Oklahoma City, and San Antonio. And so yep. the Wolves play their first two on the road, San Antonio, and then the following Tuesday. In Golden State, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for any team to go on the road for their first two games of these group play, you might find yourself eliminated from this thing pretty darn quick. Because <laughs> if you don't win your group, uh, you better be three and one. Uh, because there's only one second place team from each of the groups. Wow. Actually, two over the whole bunch of groups, six groups yeah. uh, that'll make the second round. And so, if you start zero and two, you pretty much eliminated yourself before you even play the home game and get to debut these courts. So it's going to end quickly for about half the league, I think. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Uh, is it 50-50 that Zion will play in tomorrow night's game? I know he's healthy, but, you know, there's going to be uh, days off during the season for him, I'm sure. I have not. Uh, I, 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 you never know with Zion. He could hurt himself walking to the plane sure. to get on uh, the, the, the flight coming yes. up to the Twin Cities today. I don't. <laughs> Um, at last check, I saw that he was playing. So okay. hopefully there'll be Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and a pretty good Pelican squad. Uh, that's the thing in this league. You can come off two monster wins, Denver, you, uh, three in a row, 4-0 at home now to start the year. But uh, you can come off three straight wins over Denver, Utah, and Boston feeling pretty good about yourself. But you better continue to bring it because New Orleans is next, then San Antonio is next, then Golden State, then Golden State again, then Phoenix and then New Orleans again. It, it just doesn't end, Todd. Yeah. There's, no, there's no breaks in the schedule. You need to be playing. And this is where if your identity for your team is defense, which it is for the Timberwolves, defense travels. And as long as you bring that same effort defensively, you're going to find yourself in games. doesn't mean you're going to win all of them, but you better bring that every single night because, you know, to, to have a hard-fought win over Boston, then throw it away potentially the next night, whoever you're playing, in this case New Orleans, you know, that that takes you right back to square one. That's not what you're about. Um, you need to, to, to repeat the process. And so far they have on this homestand, but it'd be really nice to f- close it out with a 4-0 homestand. Yeah, and then five in a row on the road following that. you got to be pretty excited, I would think, to go and get a uh, up-close look at Victor Wembanyama then on Friday night. You know, we've, I think fans have seen him on TV. He's been on uh, ESPN and TNT already a bunch. You've seen the highlights. Yeah, I want to see it in person. I yeah. want to see this guy do his thing because uh, there's another guy in, in Oklahoma City, in Chet Holmgren, who's a local guy, went to the yeah. Academy that missed all of last season. And so you've really got Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama um, playing their first year in the NBA. These are really big guys doing guard-like things. Uh, Wembanyama's probably at a different level than Chet, but I think... But Chet can do some things too, yep. where you're, you know, seven two, seven three, seven four in Wemby's case. It's going to be fun to see how this, how he develops, and and how much he can help San Antonio win right away. Mm. Uh, um, you know, because the numbers have been awfully impressive, and boy, can he dominate games. That's for sure. Alan, thanks so much. 
You got it, Todd. Take care. Alan Horton, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.